Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. I mean, here's a guy that criticizes everybody, whoever they take. He's got the answers to uh, who you should take and who you shouldn't take. And all of a sudden, he's an expert. He's in our paper two days ago telling us who we have to take. Welcome back to the Believe in NFL Draft Prospects podcast. I'm Joe DeLeon, joined by Ryan Roberts and Alex Gilstrap, three members of NFL Draft Bible, your go-to NFL draft source on Sports Illustrated and Fan Nation. Today we are diving into the Senior Bowl. We're taking a break from breaking down these various position groups in this draft class to discuss the week of practices, the game, all of our takeaways from the Reese's Senior Bowl down in Mobile. Before we get into that, folks, I just really quickly want to talk to you about Bet Online. The Super Bowl is right around the corner, and if you are looking to place a bet on any of the sports going on, betonline.ag is the best and only place to lock it in. Why go in on those annoying betting pools with your friends and family that never end up going in your favor? Instead, put a bet down on something you're confident in during the Super Bowl at Bet Online and make yourself some money. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than any place online. And there's always the online casino as well. It never closes. So head to betonline.ag today and take advantage of all of the great sign up bonuses. Again, that's betonline.ag and sign up today. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Folks, also, please make sure you go hit that subscribe button if you enjoy listening to this show, and also a five-star rating would be appreciated as well. If you've been listening to us for enough time now, you should really be giving us a five-star rating. We would <laughs> we would really appreciate the, the positive feedback. So we've got a lot of stuff to dive into here, talking about the Senior Bowl. No combine this year, so this event is really being talked about a lot more than it typically is. And I wanted to start our discussion today with overall takeaways just from the whole week of practice. And Ryan, I, you and I are on the same page here. And I think, Alex, you definitely agreed with us when we were talking before the show that because we have no NFL Combine and some of the limitations with the pre-draft process this year because of COVID, this year's Senior Bowl has a lot more emphasis on it. And it seems like some people are already overvaluing it more than it typically is. Yeah, I, I think that the big thing is, and I want to like urge this to people, is so many people have these huge overreactions after the first day of the Senior Bowl week when it's about progression through the week that you know the hot takes just fly off. Like if you would have saw Twitter on the first day, Spencer Brown, Northern Iowa offensive lineman, he was awful, right? Like let's call it what it is. He hadn't played football in a year. He wasn't great. But the progression you saw, day two of practice, day three of practice – that's what you're looking for, and that's where you're betting on those traits. Like, hey, he is a smaller school guy that came in against the big dogs, not playing football for a year, and he got better as the week went on. And I don't think anybody should have expected him to walk into the first day and be this dominating force. It just wasn't a reasonable expectation. For this entire senior bowl, though, I say overreactions on the first day. The overreactions in the larger scope of what they were able to accomplish this week I think is more important than ever. This is a resume building process. This is your work history on a resume. You throw your, your, your resume into a, into a potential hire and they look at you and they say, wow, you don't have enough experience. You're not experienced enough. You lack the experience. That's why, hey, let's, let's kill the all-star games. Let's kill combine. Let's kill pro day. Well, now that there's no combine, you're now left with one less work history, one less resume builder. So it is a huge week. And for me, the big thing that I was excited about was, I already mentioned Spencer Brown, I thought small school kids, man, in, in a limited sample size and limited opportunity, really showed out. We saw Dylan Radins have a great week for North Dakota State, who had played one football game in the last year. We saw Spencer Brown, who did not play any football game this year, start his week a little rough, but the last couple days played really well, played well in the game. You saw that progression. Quinton Miners, who's a Division three player, who did not play this year. Like, what's his draft stock going to look like if he doesn't have this game? 
while he has this game. Unfortunately, he isn't able to play in the actual game, but during the week, because he broke his hand, but during the week, man, best maybe the best interior offensive lineman like there. Like he was one of them. Like he was he was handling some dudes. Oso Ogdigizuwu, I don't know what we're gonna talk about later, who had a really nice week. It seemed like Quentin Miners was the only guy that could handle him inside and playing that, that shade nose. So those guys, and then going to the game and seeing Spencer Brown starting at right tackle and Dylan Braden's two FCS kids starting at offensive tackle. I think that the small schoolers in a offseason and a draft process that is so limited because it's just less of a resume builder, it was great to see and to see that these guys could not only compete at this level, but that they, they had the opportunity to put their name out there and say, hey, even with less opportunity this year, I'm this good. Pay attention to me. That, for me, was the biggest takeaway of this week. Well, the Senior Bowl is just such a great event because you get to see these smaller school guys, these Spencer Browns, these Quinn Miners that have stood out at their level of play. And what, they get four days of uh, of NFL coaching, and you get to see that progression, as you mentioned. Uh, and, you know, predicting how does that progression continue as he gets more and more NFL coaching. And that's no disrespect to FCS coaches and Division three coaches for Quinn Miners. But when you, NFL coaches are there for a reason. And, you know, getting instruction from these guys that are at the top, uh, you know, it, it, that, that's where you saw that progression. Spencer Brown continuously got better. Dylan Radins looked more dominant as the week got on. And Quinn Miners came out of nowhere. And that's that's just at the offensive line position group. I mean, there are guys littered throughout – uh, South Dakota State's Kay Johnson looked like arguably the best route runner of the week. So, I mean, these smaller school guys really, really dominated. And that just goes to show that this this event is so great for those guys who you have to question their level of competition. And, you know, you get those those conversations every year with some of these guys, level of competition, level of competition. But that's why, I, you know, the senior bowl for those guys is the most important because they get to go up against these Notre Dame defensive linemen, you know, these power five guys, these Georgia guys and 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 they dominated this week. So this was a huge win for the FCS. This was a huge win for Division Two, II, Division Three. These smaller school, uh, you know, smaller outlets of college football, and showing that hey, we we have some players too. So big win for the small schoolers, like you said, uh, Joe. The Senior Bowl this year has more emphasis on it because of the lack of the NFL Combine. So that's where you got those hard, t- you know, those overreactions. Everyone's trying to really dissect a lot of these guys that they haven't really watched too much of especially a lot of those smaller school guys. So you got those overreactions, I think, more so this year than in years past. Uh, for me, you know, we talked about some good points. For me, it's just simply don't hurt safeties for getting beat by these K Johnsons, these athletic slot receivers, Amari Rodgers. I think all, and then Austin Watkins versus Thompson Nasir Dean one-on-one had that nasty rep where Nasir Dean practically fell down at the at the top <laughs> of the route stem. You're not putting Hans and Nasiruddin in that situation. So I know that one was tweeted out, and Nasiruddin had a great week. I think I, I think he solidified himself as one of those top safeties in a in a weaker uh, safety class at the top. But uh, that one for me, all, not all one on ones are built the same. Uh, offensive tackle, you know, Alex Leatherwood versus Quincy Roche. That's something to to dissect because Leatherwood's going to be asked to play on island if he's going to play, you know, at the tackle position. But you're not going to ask Nasir Dean and some of these, you know, safeties to play one on one with slot receivers uh, at the next level. So uh, that was my takeaway. But overall, yeah, the Senior Bowl is a great week, and the small schoolers, like Ryan said, definitely stood out the most. And I think another thing to just throw in there: you're talking about don't burn the safeties if if they get beat by players <laughs> that they're probably not going to match up with. I would also throw in there. Don't knock guys that play defensive end that they ask to cover tight ends during some of these drills if they were struggling. So there was like one play that made me think of it when you brought that up, Alex, where Dalen Hayes got beat uh, on a on a touchdown. I think booked through it during practice uh, to one of the the tight ends on their team. And I'm just like Dalen Hayes can do this, but uh, I don't think he's going to primarily be asked to do that. It's not the end of the world if he doesn't do so well in the red zone, but it's nice to see him moving around and covering tight ends. Yeah, no, and that's a great point, Joe. And I think another thing even, too, like we saw Aaron Banks flexed out the offensive tackle at some points, too. It's like he's not going to play offensive tackle. Right, right. And then, he, you know, he's getting run around a little bit. He's like he's 340 pounds playing offensive tackle just to see what you have because he was recruited to tackle. He's not going to play that position. And I know Alex, you know, mentioned uh, Cade Johnson. I just want to, like, throw it out real quick. Cade I think had one of the more underrated weeks, wide receiver from South Dakota State. And then I'd be remiss because I don't think we're going to talk about him during the show really in, in a couple of our segments. But, man, Ellerson Smith, I just tweeted about him earlier today. I had him man. written down. He, I had him written down. 
Yeah. Oh, did you? All right, all right. I'll save it. Okay, let's one. let's save it because I do want to dive into him because he was he was very very fun to watch. I didn't mean to cut you off, Ryan, but uh, I don't know him now for a reason. I love my my FCS guys, and he he very well earned himself a spot on on today's discussion. And speaking of getting into these offensive and defensive winners, is how we're going to break it up. We're going to each pitch one guy from each group that we really really liked. Before we do, though, folks, we're just going to take a really short commercial break. All right, let's get into these offensive winners. Ryan, let's head to you first because I cut you off right before you wanted to, <laughs> to talk about uh, Ellerson Smith. But speaking of another Smith and a guy that we've already been talking about a lot this week, he was a, a common name that popped up a little bit in the group chat. Who was your offensive winner? Who do you think had a really good week that earned themselves the most money? Well, I, I think that, man, we had... We have, uh, if you're talking about the Believe in NFL Draft Process and how great these interviews are, a few of the guys that we're talking about, risers and smaller school guys, have been on the show. And I want to shout out Deontay Smith from East Carolina because I tweeted about this probably maybe three or four weeks before the combine went. And I'm going to be very honest here, and this is an honest evaluation. I watched two games with Deontay Smith early on, and I didn't like him. I kind of like just threw it out throughout the tape a little bit, and I was like, I, I don't get it. Like, I, I, I don't think that he's very good. And then I saw that some people had a higher opinion on him. So I went back and I found two, two and three more games of, from, this, uh, from last year because he only played in one game in 2020. And it was the Old Dominion game specifically that I watched. And I was like, oh, I get it now. I get it. Like he's not there. You're not going to draft this guy early on to play for you immediately in year one. But like length, right? Like over 6'5", 35 plus inch arms. My man is an athlete. There's just a lack of power in his game on film that is very easy to see. And even easy to see at the Senior Bowl, even though, you know, he played at about 275 pounds his last year at ECU. And then um, Senior Bowl, he was up to 290 or so, 295, somewhere in that range. So it was good to see him gain so much weight. There's still an absence of power, though. But what you saw, him, the ability to match up against some of these bendier speed rushers, and have the foot quickness and then the length that he has to finish reps, I think is really notable. And then he had a couple plays, like even in the run game in the two on you know, in the two two on two type of format, um, in the offensive line drills, where he went against Adi Agandiji, who you know had a pretty solid week himself, and he's got some freaky athleticism too and some freaky arm mm -hmm. length. Yeah. And he in the run game locked him out and then pancaked him. I'm like, okay, so there's a little something there. There's some power through those hips. And he's just kind of like one of those guys. There's some guys where you watch film and you only need to like watch one game because you're like, good, good player. Like I could well, I could write him up right now. But there are some guys that do take substantially more tape because they're slow burn pros prospects. You see, you don't really see it too early on, but the more you watch, you're like, okay, okay, I see a little bit there. I see more than I thought I was going to see from a guy like a Deontay Smith. So I think that he now is a guy that maybe is somewhere late day two. Like, is he a third rounder banking on upside? Like, I think he has the tools to be that. Before the de before the Senior Bowl week, I would have said he's probably a sixth to seventh round pick, just banking completely on upside. But now that you see what he's been working on, what he was able to do against some of the more athletic and talented players across all of college football and across the NFL draft process, now you're saying, okay, Deontay Smith, this guy might have starter upside down the road. Like, he might have that type of uh, profile looking forward. Yeah, and I, well, I was gonna, I was gonna just bounce off that and say he probably solidified himself as the top developmental tackle. You know, as as a top guy that you don't want starting week one. He doesn't have the power at his game right now, but you've seen him improve that weight and improve that power at the point of attack. His foot cadence to and the ability to mirror uh, in one on one situations was so good this week. So Deontay Smith, he's someone I tweeted about throughout the week as a winner, that length coming in with that length and that ability to dominate some of these top pass rushers in this year's class. I mean, that was a big win for him. And like you said, I think going into the week, he was probably a late day three guy, someone that you knew was going to have length, but he was lean. He, he has some sloppy tape, some up and down tape. But this week, I think, like you said, he's going to push for third, fourth round borderline day two prospects because he just dominated. I mean, he's really probably 10 to 15 pounds away from be, you know, and, and with with that adding power, being a great tackle, you know, with that length, that's rare length at the at the position. So uh, Deontay Smith definitely made himself some money this week. I think a really good comparison for him is is Matt Parrott from last year, who 
was always talked about as that developmental guy. And the one thing that everybody was discussing is he's tall, he's really long, he can move really well for a guy his size and with that type of length. And we started to see why that comparison makes sense during the week. You guys talked about it. he moved well. His, his length is something that you just can't coach on these other guys that struggled to have um, you know, the ability to use their arm length to their advantage. And I, I just I think Deontay Smith, to wrap him up, because he has all of those traits and he looked good in these one-on-ones, I, I, I do think it's pretty safe to say that he probably did push himself in to that late – um, day two conversation like Pert did last year to a point where a team that needed a developmental guy was willing to take him, see how he does in the first year, maybe get him in a couple games, and then kind of move from there. Alex, you have another lineman that you want to bring up from this week, and who is that guy? Yeah, it's probably the guy that everyone's talking about is the big winner of the week, and that's Quinn Miners from Wisconsin Whitewater. Uh, not gonna lie, I have uh, this was my first, uh, you know watching of him uh going into the senior role I usually like to watch a lot of these guys to get myself uh caught up on their play but he's someone that I, I just was pushing back and saying ah you know I'll see enough at the at the senior bowl for him but well I saw enough uh so I'm gonna have to go back to his tape this week actually because he absolutely dominated I mean from day one Tuesday first day of practice all the way through uh and trying to push to play in the game with a broken hand he really won the week I, I he he was the winner. I, that's that's really what it is. He's the overall winner. This is this D3 guy I knew nothing about going into the week, much like much of the media going into the week. And he absolutely dominated. You talked about Osa Odigazua, who was a big winner this week. And he was the only player that looked to be able to neutralize him. And he was dominant. He was pushed. You know, he was finishing at the... Uh, in the in the ground Quinn Miners man he was a lot of fun with that pop belly hanging out he was just (laughs) playing and play out at the center position he I mean these guys are power five football players that I'm talking about second third fourth round prospects and he just did not let up I I, there were so few bad reps especially in the one-on-one situation which for interior offensive linemen is a tougher sell. One-on-ones don't mean as much to me. You know, you expect the interior defensive lineman to beat interior offensive lineman more times uh, on in one-on-one situations than on the edge. And, you know, you saw some struggles from some top, you know, some better guard prospects. Trey Smith had a rough week in one-on-ones, but you're not going to ask him to be one-on-one on an island with guys. And so that, you know, that's, that's with all interior offensive linemen, but it's still a win that he dominated one-on-one. And so, Quinn Miners, I think, like like I said a second ago, is the overall winner of the week, going from a D three no name prospect and it, for for much of the the media side of the NFL draft, and he came out and solidified himself as what do you say a top seventy five player? I mean, I mean, you could push for that. It could be. I mean, there's always that riser every single right. year from from the you know small school kids from Alex Kappa last year to. Uh, Ali Marpet that came out of Hobart. Mm-hmm. Ben right? Barch. Like there's always Ben Barch. There's always those guys every year that kind of transcend that label of small school guy. I will say the the you know the half. I, I'm not really a huge fan of the half shirt type of look for offensive linemen, but man, that is he rocked it. If the jersey's <laughs> too tight, you gotta pull it up. That's the that's the deal. Right. Well, I mean, it looked great. And quick shout out to UW Whitewater because they actually. Here's a little story for you guys. I don't know if I ever told you this. They actually added me to their huddle account. So it says Coach Roberts, UW Whitewater, just so I could watch film on Quentin Miner. Weird so flex. Shout out to UW Whitewater. It's a <laughs> it, up. it was just a random, random No, no, story. you're flexing on us. You're flexing I'm on us. I'm not flexing. Quentin Miners, though, was really funny because I don't. you guys probably remember in the beginning of the week, the first rep that we saw from practices was um, Levi Onwuzurike dogging his ass like completely just tossed him that was the first rep that we saw and you know we talk about overreacting off of initial things the first thing that came out of my mouth is like oh my god Quinn that looks terrible how do you get beat that badly you just got there Levi and Uzurike is a borderline first round prospect right uh... right but he he went from a really (laughs) that's like a bad start it's one thing to lose a rep but to get thrown like that does not look good when you're when you're coming from division three to go from that and to finish as strong as he did where everybody's talking about him, that's just fantastic. And that's what we talked about, being coachable, uh, you know, staying consistent, not getting too low when you make mistakes. That is why right now he's the uh, one of the biggest winners just on anybody's list because of how I, he I did. Think, 
Yeah, and I think that one other thing that he really did, besides for you know, you know, transcending the the competition level, not playing this year, getting eyes on like all that type of stuff. He was a guard only in college, and so when I watched watched him and I talked to him, I was like, you know, you know, are you are you practicing snapping? Well, where was his best reps all week? He was playing center. majority of snaps at center, and he did an outstanding job. I I kind of comped him before the Senior Bowl to Josh Sitton, who was a really good football player, kind of under the radar, but like a very good starting guard for a long time for the Green Bay Packers. Now I have to reevaluate like a comp like that because now I'm saying like he's a better center, I guess, than he is a guard. So just, I mean, and just having that ability to play all three interior spots, it's going to help him get drafted higher because now you can project him to multiple spots and now he has a great Senior Bowl week. Quentin Miners probably just went from a probably a UDFA to like Alex said, like is he a top seventy five guy now? You can like, argue it's it. Close. <laughs> yeah, it's really close. Yeah, and he, he's going to be one of those guys that somebody's going to take him. Maybe not with an intent like, oh, we're going to plug you in and start right away. But you can bank on a player like that being able to play multiple spots. Maybe you don't have an opening for him this season, but because he can do multiple things, you can find ways to to work him work him into the lineup. My, my winner from this week, who had a fantastic overall Senior Bowl game, but he did a lot of really good stuff during the week. Some uh, questionable comps were thrown out there about him. But Michael Carter from UNC, I thought, did a fantastic job. And we saw a culmination of his success this week in the game just off of the one run he had where he broke multiple tackles. So slippery because he's small, he's shifty, he's hard to tackle, he's got powerful legs for a guy of his size and he was able to turn what would probably would have been a two-yard gain into a 20-yard gain and that was pieces of what we saw the whole week he's shifty not easy to tackle and he also provided some pretty good value coming out of the backfield catching some passes and picking up yards there somebody is going to grab Michael Carter in a, a spot where he'll probably I don't know if he'll I'm saying he'll slide but he's not going to go as early as some of these other players but whoever gets him to use as a, a secondary piece in your running back group maybe with an established starter he's going to light up and have some big plays this rookie his rookie year and maybe in his second year as well just because that's the kind of guy he is he's used to playing with another um, guy who's who's taken a good share of the reps with Javonta Williams and I think that might benefit him in a situation like that where he just comes in, makes a huge play, and then maybe he's not back in the next play. I think what he really did, too, was you knew that he could you know, manipulate space. You knew that he was a very slippery runner out in open fields. You knew that he was a tough kid, kind of compactly built, not like a super powerful guy, but like enough contact balance to really you know, kind of move the needle a little bit. You knew that he could catch the ball a little bit. But pass blocking drills was good. So now you're like, okay. He's got definite value on third down. I keep competent in Deion Lewis because I think that that's – I really like that, man. Like, Deion Lewis is kind of same profile, smaller guy, right around five foot seven and some change to uh, 195 pounds or so. Like, they just look similar to me. I think don't think that – I don't think that Michael Carter is going to get 200-plus carries in a season, but I think that a part of a tandem like he was at the University of North Carolina with Javonta Williams with a bigger back with some power profile – I think that he is that space player, that third down option that is going to give you a lot of valuable upside like a Deion Lewis has done for the majority of his career. Yeah, y'all talked a little bit about it. And, you know, you, you talk about this running back class. You have the guys at the top who project as these workhorse, bell cow running backs, Najee Harris, Travis Etienne, so on and so forth. But Michael Carter's at the top of the list, that next tier that says in a in a committee, in a, in a two back set, this guy, this guy is probably the best guy, uh, you know, his pass catching ability. But he's also a good runner, like you said. He has enough juice. He has a squatty, low center of gravity frame that you know has enough contact balance. But really, it's the shiftiness, the ability to catch out of the backfield, the improved pass blocking, as we saw throughout the Senior Bowl week. Because he he's another player that he showed trajectory at, at, at in that because day one he struggled. He got beat a couple times in pass pro uh, from the blitzing linebackers. But throughout the week, he got continuously better. He improved on his technique and his and his ability to attack second level defenders coming in uh, in blitzing situations. So Michael uh, Michael Carter is definitely probably I'd say a third rounder at this point, just because I think he's being held back from not being able to be a workhorse running back. I don't think he projects to being that like some of these other running backs. But he's going to be a value uh, for a team that has that kind of ground and pound first, second down back that can mix it up, change a pace with uh, Michael Carter. All right, let's get into these defensive winners as we've got some more fun players that we want to discuss. Ryan, who is your winner from the week on the defensive side of the ball? 
So I really liked uh, Cameron's sample, two-lane defensive ends tape going into the week. Uh, he's kind of that big-bodied edge. I comped him actually to Marlon Davidson, um, who came out of Auburn last year, who's kind of, you know, who's playing that strong side end for for um, Auburn. And then, you know, you're kind of like, eh, he's probably more suited to play inside, you know, at the next level because I don't think he's super twitchy. So I was expecting him to show up at the Senior Bowl about like 290 pounds because he was listed at 6'3", 280 while in college. But he comes and he actually is lighter than I anticipated. He was only 274 pounds and he's winning off the edge. He is winning with good hand usage. He's He's got a decent first step. He's got a little flexibility. He was more flexible than I anticipated. So now I kind of have to reevaluate my way of thinking because I kind of pictured his profile a lot differently than what he showed up and he's winning off the edge. So I'm like... Okay, this guy just might be a you know a bigger bodied edge that can win off, that can win with um, with you know just power profile and being able to be enough of a first step athlete that he can win you know some consistent reps. So it's just kind of a, a reevaluation of him, but he really showed up for me, and I felt like he was winning just constantly, in in you know on a snap to snap basis in one on ones. And then I still think that he's a guy that can move inside on some obvious passing situations. He's a he's a he's a alignment versatile player. Mm-hmm. So Cameron Sample for me alleviated some of my thought processes about him not being able to play defensive end full-time. And now he kind of really, I think, boosts his value because not only now can he potentially play defensive end base in in a majority of reps, but then, hey, on third downs, now you give me that versatility to move inside. So he's not just a player that just projects solely inside. He's an inside-out guy that I think really showed as a better athlete than I originally anticipated. Yeah, I think Cameron Sample is going to be one of those players we look back on and says he's a better pro than college player. He's someone that was... I came on late to this draft prospect, uh, you know, this draft process. Someone that Ryan has talked about a couple times leading up to the Senior Bowl is someone to watch out for, and he he impressed me. Like you said, he has that versatility. Uh, depending on what the scheme is, you know, play by play basis, third and long, he can move inside, but he projects as this five tech, you know, you know, somewhere in there uh, between three four defensive end and a, and a four three defensive end, he can really do it all. So his quick twitch at the line, you know, at the point of attack, he. Worked laterally really well this week, able to get, you know, face a half man and on the interior. I mean, I don't know how you do that, but he beat Trey Smith a few times uh, just from his athleticism alone. So he was actually a fun watch this week. So he impressed me as well. Seems like we've got a, a, a good showing of interior guys and, and meteor defensive linemen because Alex, your player is, and this one I think is one of the most obvious ones to bring up because of what he did during the game. And I, and I know we don't try to, we try not to put too much stock in the game overall, but typically if guys have good weeks, that stuff usually shows up during the game when people are watching it live. Who's your guy, Alex, and why did you pick him? Yeah, so a lot of people that you know kind of casually follow the NFL draft process that watch the Senior Bowl on Saturday, he had the strip sack on Kellen Mond. But Osa Odigazua is someone that I've talked about a few times now as being one of my guys in this draft process, and he's someone that, did not put up great production in college. He's always had hype because of his athleticism, but he dominated this week. Uh, you talk about the game and, and what he was able to do there, but throughout practice, he he was the best interior lineman on on his team, probably in the whole Senior Bowl. He was voted on by the players as the best interior defensive lineman for for his team. I can't remember if he was National or American, but Osa Digazua, man, he was a force. He was he was beating people with power. He was you know bull rushing. He was able to get get uh get offensive lineman's hands off of him. He was just really dominant week in and week out. Every day there were plays being made by Oso Digazua in one-on-ones, in team drills. And so for me, uh, I know it's the obvious one. I took the obvious ones on both sides, but I could not let y'all take Oso Digazua from me. And now that I'm getting his name right, you know, I was butchering it a couple weeks ago. But no, <laughs> he he definitely he definitely is one of my guys in this draft process, and it was it was good to see him dominate day in and day out this week all the way through Saturday in the game uh making some impact plays there too you can't be messing his name up when there was an uh, another Owadigizua man we've had two chances at this to get the name right (laughs) says the the giant says the Giants fan that had to deal with Owa for Uh, I don't want to I don't want to talk about (laughs) it don't relive it relive it no but uh Osa I, I think what we saw from him this week and as I said it shows up the stuff that he did during the week in the game During the game, he was so disruptive. Like, he was making a lot of plays in the run game. He had that one early play where uh, it was ruled an incomplete pass, but it probably should have been a a strip sack on Kellen Mond. Like, I I kept, like, keen on him and just seeing, like, how's he doing? And, And he was just so hard to block. 
so hard to block. And if you're doing that during the senior bowl, I mean, that, that just shows that you can have that kind of impact. And the one thing that we talk about all the time with defensive linemen is can they be disruptive and how difficult are they to block or are they just going to eat up space? I think uh, Osa has shown that he's not just going to just be a guy that stands there and takes up space. He's actually going to make plays and he's going to create problems for offensive lines. Well, I, I think that one thing that surprised me, because I was actually a little bit of the opposite. I expect him to be a good athlete because he was only listed at like 6'2", 279, even yeah. at 6'2", 280. Like he's an undersized defensive tackle to either front, whether you're an odd or an even man front. But I thought he was a lot more powerful than I right. anticipated. Like yeah. he was anchoring pretty well. And I'm like, ah, okay, so now you're 280. I mean, some of his best reps was at zero, and he wasn't getting blown out on the run either. Like he was holding firm at 280 pounds. He's a hul- he's a hulked up dude. He is he's, he's big. Fun. He's a thick. 280 for sure. Yeah, yeah, that's the one I was looking for. High high density with OC. <laughs> I, I mean, I, now I'm like I'm like thinking okay, so like he has the he has the flashes of being a good athlete. Those are on film, but now he has a power component too. So how high am I valuing that guy? Because that sounds pretty good to me. But like we didn't see a ton of on field production from him. Like it was kind of up and down while at UCLA. So he's a little bit of an upside pick. But when yeah. you combine the fact of like. Hey, he has NFL bloodlines. His brother might not have panned out, but like they have obviously athletic genes. And he has the athletic profile, and he's stronger than anticipated. He has more of a power profile. That sounds more like a well-rounded player that might just be hitting his stride at the right time here. So my guy, and he was somebody when I, I put together an article yesterday about we're recording this on Sunday, talking about on Saturday. Um, I put together an article, the guys who had the best games, and I think Ellerson Smith, if I had to declare one person who, who had one of the best overall performances in the game, has to be Ellerson Smith. And he was one of my favorite guys coming into the week. He wasn't as high profile as his teammate Spencer Brown, but the one thing that we continually saw from Ellerson Smith is that, and we talk about length a ton on this show, he is so tall, and he, on top of that, is just a very well-built guy. There, you see some of these taller pass rushers, and they're sometimes on the leaner side, and they're not fully filled out. But, man, Ellerson Smith is one big rocked-up dude. I want to know what they are feeding those guys of, up in, uh, in northern Iowa because him and Spencer Brown bulked up a ton while they were there and just continuously so difficult to block. And then in the game, he had a, a number of really good plays. There was the one soft roughing the passer call that they had on him where he perfectly read that it was a play action pass he didn't bite too hard on the on the fake run and he came right after Kellen Mond which led to the penalty but just showing the awareness showing the ability to to win in these one-on-one situations I really liked what I saw from Ellerson Smith and with a, a pretty weaker not like a super weak edge class but like a weaker class than normal I, I think that what he's done might be enough to help him slide above some of these lesser talked about or more talked about guys that uh, maybe aren't as deserving. And he went into the season with a fifth round grade from Blesto, I believe. I would be shocked, and you didn't hear this again, shocked if he makes it out of day two. Absolutely shocked. Wow. I think that he is yeah. that player. Because what you were worried about him was, hey, he hasn't played football in a long time. We talked about the same problems with Spencer Brown. He hasn't played football in a year. He shows up. And he is substantially bigger than he was at Northern Iowa. He played last year at about 245 pounds. He uh, did not look year. 245. <laughs> right. He did not. But then he shows up here and he's 265 pounds. I just tweeted out, like, there's a lot of people that are talking up Peyton Turner from Houston. Like, this, that's their big-bodied edge. There's, that's their 6'5", 270 guy that everybody is just clamoring for. And, oh, he can play inside, he can play outside, he can do so many things. I'm watching the film and I'm watching the game. And I'm just collecting my thoughts. Why is he the hot name and not Ellerson Smith? Because when I saw Ellerson Smith, I'm like, he's twitchier than Peyton Turner. He's quicker than Peyton Turner. When you put, I mean, Ellerson could win on the outside. Like we saw him do it the last week. But what he was doing that impressed me the most, they threw him inside. Could a guard touch him inside? They could not stop him. Too long. Yeah. Too long, too athletic, too twitchy. This young man. He can play, man. I'm telling you, this guy is that dude that literally you can line him up anywhere on passing downs, and he can make an offensive lineman one-on-one look stupid. I think that he is substantial riser. 
I think that was a great pick, Joe. Great pick. Thank yeah, you. no, for me, what impressed me most with him is his hand usage. He looked like he, he knew who's doing. He was good. He, you, you talked about the interior guys not able to touch him. It's because the two-hand swipe was so deadly mm. this week. He, I mean, the quickness, the ability to just say, get off of me and I'm going to get to the quarterback all week. And he mixed it up. I think he had a spin move win at one point throughout the week. Uh, he was the swim. He's got everything. I, I, you know, uh, he really impressed me as you talk about, you know, the Senior Bowl is built for finding developmental talents in the class. You're not going to see first-round talents very often in the Senior Bowl. But Ellerson Smith has solidified himself, like you say, a thir- probably a third-round pick, fourth round at worst, I'd say, at this point with this week. He solidified himself. He is a developmental weapon on the defensive line. I'm not going to call him an edge rusher. I'm not going to call him a – he's just a weapon on the defensive line because, like you said, no matter the alignment, he can win. Just because he has a little bit of everything, and it's kind of and what and what did they what do they feed those guys right Joe, right right well they, well they call it jungle juice and that's not the bad type of jungle juice that you're going to get at a frat party that's like <laughs> that's just what they what they call it in their weight room department so apparently you know he gained like over sixty pounds since he set foot on campus Spencer Brown gained like over a hundred pounds like those guys down there I don't know who the strength coach is actually I think I do he might follow me on Twitter but the that dude needs to be hired somewhere coach, big he needs to be hired to a big school man now because what he is doing is develop, developing those young men in the weight room and in the strength condition like it's insane they have that defensive tackle I'm blanking on his name but I brought him up on my FCS show Brinkman. Jared Brinkman. And he benches 500 pounds. Like, that's a third guy. Like, you could bring up so many guys that, that do crazy things at that school just physically, and that's why they've turned it into such a good program. We're going to talk about guys that created more questions and more doubt than they actually helped their current situations. Before we do, though, I want to talk to you about Kansas City Stakes. With a new year comes tons of new big games in sports. With big games, you need big stakes. Kansas City Stakes has the cuts that you crave to celebrate the playoffs and the big game. Visit KansasCitySteaks.com slash game day and save up to $25 on combos perfect for game day. Plus, get free shipping with code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V at checkout. Try out the new snack pack combo featuring small plates with big flavor. Mini beef Wellington steak burger sliders, mac and cheese melts, shrimp wrap bacon. Every order is flash frozen delivered directly to your home satisfaction guaranteed or your money back basically every cut of steak imaginable plus appetizers desserts barbecue and so much more again go to kansascitysteaks.com slash game day and use promo code b-l-e-a-v believe at checkout for free shipping kansas city steaks big games big taste so we have to obviously evaluate we can't be all positive in this show because when you have an evaluation period like this, an event where guys are evaluated, you're not going to have somebody go from a a, a second round pick to UDFA. That's just not going to happen. However, if there were doubts on certain players and what they were capable of doing when you have an event like this and they don't answer those questions or at the same time, if they create more questions, that makes them a loser after the week. That hurts their draft stock. And we've got three names that I think we're all really on the same page on. I haven't really seen any people talking about these guys positively uh, after the week or during the week much. But, Ryan, I want to dive into your guy first. Who do you think created the most questions? Who do you think hurt their stock the most? And and this is somebody who we talked about a ton during the week in our group chat. Yeah, and he's a guy that everyone seems to really kind of be flipping the flipping the switch on and being so big on him going into the Senior Bowl week. I'm talking about Alex Leatherwood, offensive tackle from Alabama, who's kind of had a turbulent career, you know, and uh, because he was a really good guard in 2018. The last two years, he's been the left tackle for Alabama, and he has this strange hype around him. I heard people saying, like, oh, top 20 player before the Senior Bowl occurred. And I, I'd be honest, man, like, I watched the 2020 film – I think he's the same guy, and I don't love him. I don't love his tape. Like I just don't like it very much. His his offensive his inside his interior tape at offensive guard is substantially better than offensive tackle. Now, offensive tackle is obviously a premier position. Like guys want to play that because they're going to get paid more. Yada yada. I get it. But I watched him, and I saw the same things during the Senior Bowl week that I saw on film. I, I think that he really struggles against outside pass rushers. I don't think that his feet are very active. I think that he stalls a lot. Like I, I, and then people were 
after the weigh-in, they're like, wow, he's 6'5", he's got good arm length, like he checks all these boxes, but I'm like, but that doesn't change the film. It doesn't, because those thresholds are great. Like, you see a guy that looks great offensive tackle, and you're like, I hope he hits the thresholds, because then he can translate. Well, Alex Leatherwood, I, I wasn't worried about him hitting the thresholds. I didn't think that he was a small guy, but I did not think that, like, it doesn't change my opinion that, like, his tape is not good still. And people are still throwing him in the first round conversation. I will tell you this, not only at Draft Bible do I have him graded as a third-round prospect, third-round prospect, I also have him graded as an offensive guard. I have him graded as an interior player because I don't think he has the traits. I don't think he fits well at offensive tackle. I mean, there were some reps that were embarrassing. Jordan Smith from UAB had, like, some flashes but wasn't great all week. But his main flashes were against Alex Leatherwood. Quincy Roche, who is a guy that needs to win with hand usage at the top of the arc out of the third step. He was running around him, barely even had to do any nuance to his rush at all. And I'm just like, dude, you're like these guys are going to get more athletic. Like, are you going to throw this guy out at left tackle against a guy like Miles Garrett or like someone like that to try to counteract a player like that? Like, he's better inside, and there's nothing wrong with that. People then like, <laughs> oh, team drills. Wow, he looks great. Double teaming up to the second level. He looks great down blocking. I'm like, so he's good in the run game, and he plays better in short spaces. He's a guard. <laughs> That's what guards do. Well, the, <laughs> y- you get that. You get the argument. Don't move good tackles to guard, but uh, he's, he's not, a, not good a good tackle. <laughs> That's exactly. That's exactly my point. He's just not. I mean, he's a fine tackle. He's fine, but he's uh, he's someone that's going to be a liability at the next level at that position. Whereas at guard, I think you take the traits that he's best at, and it, it's it's. Oh, it's more valued at the guard position. Like Ryan said, he's good in the run game. He's good in small spaces in a phone booth. And that's what you have to be good at as a guard. He's not good being put on an island. We saw that during one-on-ones. He was arguably one of the worst tackles this week in one-on-ones. And it's because you put this guy on an island, he doesn't have the foot quickness and he doesn't have the, uh, he doesn't have the, the length. He has, he meets the threshold, but he doesn't have substantial length to be able to reach guys at the, at the top of the, at the top of the, uh, pass rush. So, Alex Leatherwood is not a great tackle prospect to me. I agree with you. I'm going to grade him as an interior guy as well. I think he'll actually be a pretty good guard because I think he's yeah. still a good football player. I think he's, he's worth a day two pick and he's worth playing at guard. I think you can plug him and play him at the guard position. I really do. He's he's Eric Flowers. That's who oh, he is for me. yikes. That, no, no, but but Joe, like Eric Flowers playing guard for Washington right. in 2019 was a good player. He's a good guard. And for the Dolphins, he's he did he did really well too. He's he's what he does best translates best. I know, like Alex said, like there's going to be people that are like, don't move good guard, good tackles. Guard. No, you play the player at or the you... position that they best fit. Right. That is the that is the course because like having a guy that's okay as a tackle versus a guy that could be potentially very good at guard. Which would you rather have? Because if you guys have a guy that's just okay at offensive tackle, you're always going to be looking to upgrade that spot because that's yep. not good enough. Put a guy where they fit best and where they, their traits best lay to being a successful football player. That is the goal. And and not to dwell on him too much, just to wrap up our, our thoughts on Leatherwood, I, I thought all the same things that you guys talked about. There were few one-on-one reps I saw him win. His impact is greater in the run game than it is – uh, as a pass blocker and people try to say don't put too much emphasis on these one-on-one pass rush reps but if you're not winning any of those reps you should be concerned after that if you can't win at left tackle uh, and you're constantly getting beat by guys that are a lot quicker than you your feet are stuck in the dirt and you're just not moving effectively that's why we're having these questions about him and I think the big question now that might have been answered which is a bit surprising for, for what we're coming into the segment with and the intent of it, is that he probably will be better off playing inside. And we'll have to see if a team actually is willing to do that. I would argue a smart team probably would. Um, but that is going to be one of the biggest important things to cover with this draft class is where does Alex Leatherwood end up going? And speaking of another tackle, I absolutely love this one. I didn't even notice you wrote it down, Alex, until right before we recorded and I, I actually, it sounds very negative to say I loved a, a guy that did poorly, but I completely <laughs> agree with you that this guy just did not have a good week, and it really showed up during the game as he was continuously beat and gave up a, a number of pressures and sacks. Well, we talked about Osa Digazua. You talked about his impact in the game and how that was all week. He was he was making that impact all week, and you talk about James Hudson struggling. 
Cincinnati offensive tackle struggling Saturday during the game. He struggled all week. It, nothing changed. He he came into this week. The selling point on him is he's a converted defensive lineman that hasn't played the position very long. And he for that he is he played well, you know, at Cincinnati. And that's why he got the invite to continue to develop, you know, with NFL coaching. And he's supposed to be the developmental guy of this class for some people. And he was bad. Ellerson Smith and that defensive line group took his lunch money, play in and play out, rep in and rep out. He his his hands, he's got some good punch to him, but he as far as mirroring, he can't I don't know. He just he's been sloppy all week. And for me, you know, you see guys like Deontay Smith, who's, you know, t- talked about as this developmental offensive tackle prospect, you know, third, fourth round range. James Hudson going into the week was very similar. But James Hudson, stock down. Deontay Smith from East Carolina, stock up. It, it, James Hudson, I was excited to watch him uh, during the Peach Bowl. That was going to be my first look at him uh, this season. I got thrown out of that game for targeting uh, kind of after the play, a little unnecessary roughness. So I wasn't able to see him very much then. So I watched him right before. I watched a lot of his tape right before the Senior Bowl, and I saw a lot of that up-and-down play you expect out of a green offensive tackle, someone that hasn't played the position very long. You, you don't see the the nuance at the position that you see with Alex Leatherwood, who's played there for a couple years now. So James Hudson, for me, he just got worse as the week went on, too. I didn't see him take strides to getting better. He got beat more and more as the week got on. It looked like as if everyone else was getting better with the NFL coaching, and James Hudson kind of was the same player, and he just got exposed more and more throughout the week. So he, he was, unfortunately... Uh, a loser. There's still some upside to bank on because he hasn't played the position very long. You get some NFL coaching, but I don't know how highly you're valuing, uh, you know, his situation and how he played this week. Yeah, I mean, he's clearly a guy that lacks experience. Because yeah. When you watch him, like into his set points, so just like a 45 set, like he is getting to the top of the arc in a hurry, man. Like he is very athletic. There's no question. But he's a one-year starter. And he's a guy that's green still. He's not fundamentally sound. He's just an athlete right now. And I guess some people were banking on like, hey, he's going to be go to the Senior Bowl and he's going to shine all the way through. He's going to have some great reps. But they, but he just got exposed a little bit because he's just not ready. I, I think that you know a lot of people were trying to say like, oh, he could be that day two guy that could develop. Him and Deontay Smith, like Alex said, like might be just flip-flopping there and he's probably going to go somewhere on day three and, and you're going to maybe have like a Sadiq Charles type of vibe to him where like there is a substantial upside moving forward, but he should be not a guy that probably doesn't play for a year or two to say the least. Yeah. So the last guy that I want to hit on who was my big loser from the week, and I think it's pretty safe to say across the board in the three phases that you're evaluated during this, during the weigh-ins, during the week of practice – and during the game, this guy did terrible in all three of these things. And I don't mean to be negative, but Drake Jackson, center from Kentucky, comes in, small, short arms, and I don't even think he was 300 pounds, somewhere along that range. He was one of the shorter offensive linemen. During the week of practice, just saw getting beat a lot, not doing very well, uh, struggling, and you can kind of – it makes sense seeing that he's not long, he's not very big, doesn't really have a lot lot of traits that are going to help him win in one-on-one situations or in these team drills. So I continually see him struggling. And then the thing that I think put it all full circle, and this is just one play, he botched a snap on a fourth down play, which if this is a real game, that's a crucial situation. Bad snap, kills a play, gives the ball back to the other team. And for a guy who's one of the few natural centers there, and there's a ton of other guys there that have never played center before in a game that are doing better than you are at snapping. Like Robert Hainsey, I thought, did a pretty good job. Um, you know, we, we talked a, a little bit about uh, Quinn Miners looking pretty good at center. There were other guys that were trying out playing that center position because they needed it, needed it to pr- improve their draft stock. But if all you're doing is playing center, and if that's all you've done in your career, you can't be messing up snaps comparing yourself to these other guys you just made yourself look way worse if if Hansey or Miners messed up a snap I probably would not be as upset but like the one thing and this is as a long snapper that I always heard from from coaches when snappers make mistakes and it's similar to the center position because they're controlling the snap you have one job at the start of the play one job and if you can't get that done how do I expect you to do anything else nothing else after that if you mess up your snap matters to me because you need to be able to do that consistently so I just 
I didn't see a single thing from this guy that that gave me any sense of confidence. I don't think he provides much value at the center position. I just overall, and, and Ryan's smirking right now, I, I didn't like it. I didn't like anything from Drake Jackson. You know, you know what, Joe? His his tape's like not bad though, man. Like he's yeah, he tough. Some, like I he's get tough, it, but like, like I, and, what do I get from a, a tough player that can't no, do I, anything? I don't, I don't think that he's a starting caliber player. The one really troubling thing is I agreed he had a bad week. He didn't look good. The the worst like st- it's not even a stat. The worst measurable that you could look at for him was like you mentioned his height and his size. Like he's he's got all right. those underlying things on Mav Sports Take. We actually highlighted this. He has eight and four yes, eighth inch hands. That's what it eight is. Eight and a half inch hands. Dude, You're for a center. guy that's handling the ball, that is tiny. Could you imagine him in a bad weather game? Yeah. Like, oh my God, that's that's trouble waiting to happen. Right. Well, right. I think I think practice week for him was up and down. You saw some highlights and some lowlights, of course. He stonewalled uh, Marvin Wilson. Dude, he, he ate Marvin Wilson's lunch. Yeah, he don't, did. Don't say it lightly. <laughs> yeah, okay, okay, yes. He, he, he beat Marvin Wilson, who going into the year was a top 10 pick. So he had some ups. He definitely did. So uh, he definitely had some losses too. Cam Sample beat him a couple times, I remember correctly, uh, who's someone you thought was a winner. Uh, but yeah, he, he just the measurements for him was the biggest loss. You know, he had a he had a bad game. Uh, practice was up and down, like it was for you know some other guys. But it was really the measurables that was the biggest loss for him. Like you say, the hand size, the length coming in. What was it under sub thirty inch arms? Yeah, which or which some, for the interior, yeah, which for interior is not as big of a deal as uh as a tackle but sub 30 inch arms is not something to hang your hat on that's mm. for sure so he just he came in small under 300 pounds like joe joe said a, a few moments ago measurables for him was the biggest loss but he didn't do anything throughout the week that made you feel good about him despite his his lack of measurables who is the washington center from last year that i i, I, I nick harris. Nick harris. i think it's comparable in terms of what happened with him this week that just a oh, complete, he had a bad senior bowl week. yeah really bad just a harris. complete fall off Harris is a lot more athletic than right. yes. um, kind of. That's that offer. makes it worse. I, I think, <laughs> Where did he go? I, I think, I, I, uh, Harris is with Cleveland. I actually heard that he played pretty decent as a rookie, believe it or not. But I haven't watched him, so not 100 percent sure on that one. Well, that is, uh, I think, a good note to end on here, folks. Thank you for tuning into this long episode breakdown of the Senior Bowl. Make sure to hit that subscribe button. Leave us a five star review. Head to si.com/nfl/draft for more NFL draft analysis from. Uh, from any of us uh, additionally head to believe.com at b-l-e-a-v.com to find our show as well as hundreds of other shows and follow us on social media at joe de leon at rise and draft and at alex gilstrap as well as nfl prospects pod thanks for tuning in folks we will see you next week and we've got another fantastic interview coming your way Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.